0: Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. Steve Walsh here with me as always. Hello. Last week we talked about Steve's hometown, Campbelltown, and uh, today SE5 meets SE17 as it does at Burgess Park, Campbelltown Gate. We're going to be talking about Woolworth, where I'm from. I've just got back from Scotland, Steve, where I went to a wedding. My friend Jamie and his uh, lovely wife Esther got married in duns which is on the borders like we got a train to berwick when you say Tweed. that
1: the first thing i thought was uh duns is a uh it's the irish equivalent of primark it's <laughs> so when you say you got married in duns you're like oh did it <laughs> cheap, <laughs> it? but it's good value it's good
0: value not though <laughs> so you've got the train up there it's like a four-hour trip to berwick and then have got a cab to scotland from there <laughs> but yeah, we had a great time um and Xavier said dad for the first time. Really? Yes, that was quite momentous. That's really. brilliant.
1: Where whereabouts was she what was the context of
0: uh Well it kind of snuck up on us a bit she was she's been saying mum for a long time. She goes mum 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 mum. She says She's
1: mom, mom, said, she said my
0: mum 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 <laughs> and like like it's quite obvious she means mum because the key she'll walk out of room and she starts going mum 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 Yeah yeah. Uh, but she don't really say dad, even though I'm like clap hands for daddy. She say clap and she starts clapping, so I'm yeah, yeah. To work it into that. But she's like saying dad 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 da, da and you're like, she just like da 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 dooby dooing <laughs> But no, she's definitely saying dad da no, so that's was uh, Fantastic. Exciting. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Did that happen in Scotland? You
1: don't want to happen in a foreign country, do you?
0: Well, this is my point, Steve. My surname, obviously, as people remember from oh, the introduction. No, 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 of course. Mackin right. You may remember from twenty six seconds <laughs> ago. <laughs> my granddad was Scottish. Uh, Jock was
1: his like his name's James, Jock but McEnroy. everyone called him Jock. Wow. Yeah. So like fully Scottish. So hold on, so you're Jack McEnroy the second.
0: Yeah. But it's a jock that comes before, so So
1: that's Jock Jack Jack. Jock Jack Jack. Okay.
0: And some when someone I mentioned it to someone at the wedding I was sitting next to, I like, Oh my granddad was Scottish. They're like, Well your granddad, are you going back ten generations? Like, no, my granddad, you know, my granddad used to
1: My Dad's have, dad
0: have his daily wash out the kitchen sink in his vest. You know, he was Scottish. <laughs> What,
1: what was his name? Jock, get out. <laughs> and when I say get out, I mean, get out of Scotland. We don't need you coming out here with this attitude. Um,
0: when I was on the, when I was, I was thinking about getting a kilt to wear for the wedding. When I say thinking about it, very, very briefly, and I was looking to be talked out of it. Yeah. And the person that talked me out of it was uh, the Scottish person I follow on Twitter, <laughs> Callum. The one. Underscore TH. And he was giving me some kilt advice. And it was based, basically, if you've got good calves, you know, maybe go for it. And really, you need to be Scottish to pull this off. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I'm a quarter Scottish. And he said something like, that's not a thing. <laughs> and, like, I kind of came to the realisation this weekend that it, it probably isn't a thing, isn't it? Yeah. You have, like, to,
1: you have to own it completely.
0: Yeah, I'm not Scottish. Like, yeah. I've always, uh, I mean, I've always considered myself to be English, you know, with some other heritage, you know, my was Jamaican. And my granddaddy was Scottish, died before I was born. Right. But, you know, I take his name. Yeah, yeah. So, but being in Scotland with all those Scottish people, and this is not, I'm not saying anything about you being Irish, Steve, because obviously you're <laughs> actual, you were raised in a house where people said dirty tree instead of 33. <laughs> like, you know, you're legit. I'm not saying you're not. Um, but, you know, being amongst all like proper Scottish people, it did really hit home like, yeah, maybe I want to knock this Scottish talk on the head.
1: Well, no, I think you can be interested in wearing your sort of of heritage, part, yeah. Aware but you have never never—you're not going out with a saltire around your neck, are you? You're not sort of going down to Wimbledon and cheering on Andy. Murray, well, someone you know? had to
0: explain what trues were. You know, there trousers. Yeah, but not just trousers. They have to be tartan trousers. Ah, right. So I was like, so are these just
1: regular trues? And they're like, no. See, I'd know that partly from comics, like Dandy. I'm pretty sure uh, trues were something oh, yeah, there. Yeah. But also, uh, Donald, where's your truces? The uh, you don't know this song. What is that, a classic music hall track or something? Yeah, it is it actually. Think of it time Now. It is a sort of thing that would have transitioned from music hall. It, or maybe it was just a novelty hit in the 70s, but there was a song. 70s? Called, possibly, I'm not too sure what the uh, age it was, but there was a, a song called Donald Wears Your Trouser,"s and it was very much uh, a comedy Scotsman in like, a tartan hat uh, being asked where his trousers were. Hmm. Because he was wearing a kilt, I think that was the whole uh, um, kind of thing. Hilarious. I wore a kilt once for a wedding um for my friend who who wanted who asked people to and I was quite up for it i mean yeah. you know uh i would if i was asked to up, i would yeah yeah um and uh i was round I mate Dave's house, it was me, Dave and Martin. Because to put a kilt on, I never realised this, you imagine you just like slip it on like a pair of trousers. But you actually, it comes as like a flat garment and you have yeah, to, and you have to put a pin. wrap it around. Yeah. But you need, you essentially need one other person, it's impossible. Well, not impossible, but particularly if you've never done it before. But, so we were all like essentially dressing one another. And it hmm. came to um, that ridiculous point when uh, English stroke Irish people are wearing kilts and have no idea what they're doing. And you look at each other and go, are we going to, Martin sort of looks at us and went, are we doing this properly? The implication <laughs> yeah. being, do we take our uh, underwear off and uh, go? Never. I Never go come uh, But we're all sort of like thinking, it'll be a bit of fun. And uh, I think it was yeah. Dave who went, these are hired kilts.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that
1: makes the decision for you. Like, okay, uh, hmm. I'm going to put on four more pairs of underwear and yeah. uh, some trousers. And then we're ready to go. English. It's remarkable though, like, because like, we were walking through uh, sort of Crystal Palace. Uh, it was um, at, uh, what's the school that Bridget Minimal we went to?
0: <laughs> Virgo, Fidelis. Virgo
1: Fidelis. It was a Virgo Fidelis church. So we were like walking through, and uh, the amount of uh, attention you just got from, uh, well, no, just women sort of, they feel obliged to wave at you. <laughs>
0: They're just like, waving going, It's like you're morning. On a kind of novelty double with You just plus.
1: become like public property at mm. that point. And I know how Kanye feels.
0: Nah. English blood, Scottish skirt. <laughs> but fittingly today, we well every week we talk we talk about South London. Yeah. So, and that's what I am, I'm a South Londoner. Yeah. And even more so, today we're talking about Woolworth and that is my home. That Absolutely. is my roots. Yeah, yeah. My natty roots. <laughs> we're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash South London Hardcore. We don't spam your timeline. You just get the links to the episodes and the good stuff that Steve puts up on the site. Yeah, so do related. like us and like, suggest it to your friends. On Twitter, at SLHC. Instagram, at SLHC as well. dot
1: com. The only time you'll get anything on Facebook that isn't a link to the show or related products uh, happened this week. And it's not a regular occurrence, but uh, I just put a, a link out to our um, Amazon link, which people can... ...add to their bookmarks instead of the Amazon that they are going out, ...which is just, you know, a pointless Amazon link. Get yeah. one that kicks a bit of money back yeah. to if us. If you're going to
0: buy something off Amazon... ...use saffronharkle.com first and then... Someone
1: bought some hedge cutters. Did they? Yeah. There's, uh, please, so we've got... them mean, we've got please listeners please in... Um... Who own land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, please. Uh, can I make a personal plea? A different plea to us usually sort of going... ...can we have some money to help pay for the host? Give us your that, money. That's all well and good. Please change the, your Amazon link to our Amazon link so we can see well, not what you bought because it doesn't give us the names, but just what people are buying. Mm. So we can sort of go: who has bought? People are buying clothes. They're buying, as say, hedge cutters. You get to see the films and the people, books are people. using the
0: uh, most popular shopping website on the, the internet for <laughs> clothes and uh, gardening. But it was, uh, yeah, it's,
1: it's really interesting to sort of see, uh, and you know, if you do want us to put. Um, a name to the purchase and give you a shout out on the show we're happy to do that
0: so we're talking about Woolworth today steve it's a place that is i'm not gonna say insignificant because i'm sure you'll find some reasons or we both will why it is significant but just
1: quickly you were born there (laughs) you were raised there it's the land that made you. you that's significance right there
0: Yes, so personally, but it's not a place people, if people live sort of a couple of miles north of the river, they're not going to have heard of it, unless sort of there was a reason to go through, but do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, it's because not it's not,
1: the it's not, if you think of places in South London that, that people do know the names of, it's Brixton, it's Peckham, yeah, because they, they're the ones that get referenced on television. Yeah, and
0: the places with tube stations, Yeah, or even Elephant and Castle, that was what we talked about in the first episode of South London Hardcore. Yeah. I mean, I used to, people used to say, whereabouts are you from? And I, a lot of the time I would say Elephant the Castle, right. just because it was, even though it was we were, I don't know, over a mile away or whatever, it was just an easier answer and it was more or less right. But I've, I've, I did take to saying Wolf
1: partly because people, the face people would make me say Elephant and Castle. I mean, but, and and it wasn't accurate, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Elephant Castle is a sort of name, like Cockfosters, isn't it? If you read that name, you never forget there's a place called that, just because it's such an odd name, isn't it?
0: No need to bring the tone down, as there is there, <laughs> that kind of filth. As established last week, the name Woolworth comes from Welsh Farm.
1: Yeah, it ties into what we are talking about, one of the potential names for Camberwell, being uh, the place of Britons, Celts, um, you know, Camber coming from possibly the same uh, roots as Cymru the Welsh word for Wales. So there's, you know, the idea of this, and as we talked about last week, this this Celtic uh, enclave in South London, which, as you say, with your Scottish roots, however spurious, and my uh, Irish roots, however genuine, uh, you know, but it, it, it's nice to sort of feel uh, that there's, there's this thread that runs yeah. through history of uh, this is where the Celts go to hang out in South so London. So, are we both Celts then, Steve, you and I? Yeah. Well, well, uh, I'm going to say something now, which I'm pretty sure this is already accurate because it's going to get us in so much trouble with Scottish people if I'm wrong. Um, Scotch people. (laughs) I've always been given to understand, and you've got to understand this is me coming from uh, an Irish background, that Scottish people were essentially Irish people that moved over to the the northern part of the British Isles. So the the Scots were an Irish tribe. Right. So Scotland was this land of these Irish people who went to the top and then you had other Britons. Because obviously... Britain's a catch-all term, but there were tribes uh, across the country that had very distinct uh, identities. So, yeah, uh, Scots, Irish and Welsh would be what you'd consider Celts. But, you know, as we talked about last week, Celt at one point would have referred to everyone in Britain until you got the waves of Anglo-Saxons and Vikings and, you know, Normans. Bloody Africans there as well. <laughs> Don't do Louis' voice like that. <laughs> but yeah, um, Woolworth, uh, the, the Welsh farm, the sort of closest translation that people have made. And again, similar to Camberwell, far enough away from the Thames that it's not going to be marshy, far enough away from the hills that it's not going to be difficult to tend the land. You've got the hills and the valley irrigating land so it would be natural land to farm on and that leads to the land being left open until you get the wharf road a roman road that's built right down the center of it essentially isn't it the wharf road as a roman road is another example as well of how the land itself changes as you go into walworth closer to the river in the borough and even up to the Elephant Castle, you've got, we've still got today, Newington Causeway. A causeway built up of stones across the the marshland. So it's not a road in a recognisable sense. It's not really till you get to the other side of what we think of the Elephant Castle today, the head of the Wharf Road, that the land is firm enough for them to pave it as a road. We've talked about Wharf uh, plenty of times on the show before. So we will.
0: Refer back to previous episodes without going over the same ground
1: we've been we've been criticized for being war centric at times, have we yeah, and our response to that of course is to do an episode on war but, i mean don't <laughs> don't think that you people get to decide what this show is
0: you know episode thirty one was we talked about East street and episode fifty two we talked about Charlie Chaplin, who was one of the greatest film directors stars writers. Composers of all time. The most famous man in the world at one point, And uh, was born in East Street. It was my local high street. And as London high streets have changed over... You know, the last 10, 15 years. Like, Woolworth Road has changed. And, you know, we'll talk about things that have come and gone. But it just is the high street that refuses to get better. Like, you take any, like high street in say zone two i mean Wharf road starts in zone one yeah like it's well, it's the border at elephant and castle but you take any high street in zone one two probably even three and com- compared to Wharf road like the, the stuff that's there well there's nothing in Wharf road is there Not there's nothing steve we'll come to what there is but it is a thing where you sort of go do we need two tescos and it's just that at some point that we're going to have a franchise coffee place and, like, you cannot make the arguments against that. Obviously, Starbucks don't pay any taxes, and that's bad. But I do think having at least one, like, either a Nero, Costa, or a Starbucks is an indication that of improvement in the area. Mm. Right, the, you know, <laughs> but what, the thing is, like, I'm sure you... Give me a counter-argument, Steve.
1: Um, I would argue that in lieu of... Starbucks, Nero, and I'm not a big, as you know, I'm not a big coffee fan. You've got places, and this is, you know, it's not on the Wharf Road, but you've got the Electric Elephant Cafe in West Wharf, which is, I would say, uh, I enjoyed going there much more than I would enjoy going to a franchise coffee house. Yeah. And I think it, it gives you, and it is, it's still, Wharf isn't at a point yet that people are creating wonderful independent shops. It's not quite at that, that point yet, but I'd rather have the potential for that than a Starbucks, I know you. Yeah, about the, the going but talk, I think there's other indicators that are Starbucks. Yeah, I was going to talk well. a
0: bit more about the electric elephant calf um, when we when to we get to it, yeah. Yeah,
1: but I just think that's an example of what yeah. I'd rather see in lieu of. But with with
0: franchise coffee shops, yeah, like if I want uh, a frappuccino, say which I'd say is the kind of great culinary advancement of the last decade. Like if I what if I want to just like grab one, yeah. There's nowhere to in Wharf like there's nowhere to like there are a li- very limited places to get like a kind of range of coffees. There's a lot of talk against chains, like people always kind of like you always get their signs up like the Traders Association is against uh, a new Sainsburys, when generally I think certainly in terms of supermarkets, um, mul- multitudes more people are benefiting from a new Sainsburys um, being created than are losing out. Sort of the seven people with the local businesses that are fleecing everybody as it is. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm supposed to go to the sweet shop to buy like ve- fresh vegetables. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. At ten o'clock at night, if I want to go and buy some baby food, like they have they got Ella's Kitchen, the salmon one.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna guess no. They haven't. Okay, it's difficult for them. It was a question about uh, <laughs> looking at the wharf roads, and it brings me to mind at this point because of what you're saying about, you know, what's not there in terms of businesses and, and places to go. I found that I was drawn to the places that are there but have gone. If that makes sense. It's a I, I was just thinking about it and you know, I, I go through the Wolf road every day on the bus. So I was like thinking about it and looking across it. And what struck me most of all was, as I say, these the ghosts that are there. You've got these places that are physically there, and they remind you of you know good things and bad things, but that in all true respects they've gone. You know the the most significant one possibly um, fads. <laughs> uh, John Smith House. Yeah. The fact that you know, you know, as I say, thinking about it and looking at it, it's still there. It's called John Smith House. It was the Labour Party headquarters until 1997, where with the ascension of, of Blair to power and a Labour government, it, it's, it's almost like they physically turned their back on the working class yeah, went and, over, to, and, and, they, and went well over the to the seat of power. They, they literally mm. turned their back on us and went to the place of power. And the fact they still call John Smith House, named after the, the, the Labour leader that would have held firm to social principles, you know, who knows, maybe wouldn't have got elected. It's hard to sort of say... How centrist you would have needed to go To become electable at that point The Conservatives were in a shambles But I just thought it was really sad That you've got this place there That is a symbol of The political classes leaving South London And you know not. Going. I mean the irony is well Just doing a bit more research uh, Next door To John Smith House And it's probably a hangover um, From fit. The Confederation of Shipbuilding and Engineering Union yeah, I've read that, but... But it would, it would have made sense for a union... Yeah, well, Labour is unions, isn't it? Well, it was. was. This yeah. is the thing. It would have made sense for, for a union headquarters to open up next to Labour Party headquarters. But it's almost like 1997 Labour went, we're going to leave uh, the working classes and unions behind, we're going to go into the city of political power and just pretty much sell ourselves out. It is
0: unimaginable for it to... Well, it's not unimaginable, unimaginable for it to be the Labour Party headquarters. It's unimaginable for it to be new Labour Headquarters, and that is, of yeah. course, what, uh, what, what they happened. Creed. But I said to a couple of people today that uh, I was going to talk they talking about Warworth, and I used the word insignificant to describe Warworth, but when you think that the transformation of the Labour Party from Labour to New Labour and the overthrow of the Conservatives, they were based in South London at the time, they were based in Warworth at the time. I mean, that is hugely significant, isn't yeah, it?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. That was, that was like the major political... But it does. It does feel like uh, the local working class kid, kid that's done good. And so, it goes, I'm going to have to move to Isha. because <laughs> there's no way I'm living around here with you lot. Because uh, I've won. I've done it. I've, I've I've improved myself, and therefore I cannot stay here anymore.
0: What was it called before John Smith? Because it was from 1981. They were there, weren't they? Yeah. Is I, that when it was built?
1: No, I think it's older than that. But um, yeah, I, I I don't think it had. Yeah, it wouldn't it didn't necessarily. Have a name. No, it was like be...
0: sort of uh, 22 wharf Road, wherever it is 144 to
1: 152 Warf Road. Mm. Yeah, but you, yeah, just Labour Party headquarters. Um, a little further down the wharf Roads, you've got the Haygate Estate, which is, you know, there. You were on the
0: Haygate recently, Steve, weren't you?
1: I was. I was with uh, the boys from Your Days and Numbers, with uh, some copies of the magazine that we were going to. Uh, bill post onto uh, garage doors and pillars and walls and then just take some photographs, just using the estate itself as this wonderful backdrop and a really sort of complementary canvas to work on with the images from the magazine. So we went down there with Copies Magazine, tore the covers off and had the old pot of paste. It was very uh, uh, you know, really exciting to do, just because it felt very old-fashioned and very the sort of thing you'd see someone doing a, a film from the 40s, just sort of like pasting up things. Um, at one point, we had a security guard go past us with a dog, and we were like, Is this, this is fine, isn't it? It's slated for destruction. They're not going to be too, and he just sort of waved at us and said, Morning, and carried on. And I was like, Why are they paying people? And uh, apparently, they're worried about people moving back in. That's their biggest Yeah, story. I mean, yeah, you can, it's, you can't stand The there. thing is, if
0: you're going to take a decade to knock an estate down, like it's a joke, isn't it? The yeah. Situation. At a
1: time when there's a desperate need for social Yeah, research. like
0: A probably don't need to knock it down. I mean, I've never really been inside, but by the sound of it, it wasn't that bad, and or bad even at all. And B, if you've decided to knock it down, like well, that's one thing, but you can't get through it. Like you end up getting. I've come through um, uh, Portland Street and then into is it Brandon Street. And then you get, st- you get stuck. Yeah. And like, I've had to climb over bits before where like, I've not really wanted to. Yeah. Like, just at least knock it through so people can get through, man. How hard right is it to knock a building down? I mean, I'm no demolitionist, but... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just work. get it done.
1: Yeah. This is the thing, the will isn't there, is it?
0: Episode 12. Episode 21, we talked about Charles Babbage, who was a pioneer of computing, in a way. And Mark Faraday, who was a pioneer of electricity, electromagnetism. And they've both got plaques up that side, haven't they?
1: Yeah, on Lockham Street.
0: So you'll have to go back to episode 21 if you want to hear about our trip to Science Museum, our search for Charles Babbage's brain.
1: And then most recently, um, we've had the Cummium Museum and the library next door lost to the War Road. But again, not destroyed, not removed, Mm, just gutted and fenced off and blocked off, similarly to the way the Haygate is there, but entirely inaccessible.
0: Yeah, yeah, the big fire we talked about on episode 66. And it seems like it's going to be four years is yeah, that what, until
1: it's reopened. Yeah, And of course, something that's quite, uh, not significant for us, but something that we uh, were very interested in at the time was the, the loss of the army surplus store. On the way, which is a fixture for so long. I mean, mm. I never bought anything there. I don't believe you ever. No, you I tried one, to. Didn't you? I once
0: went in to buy school shoes when I went to secondary school. What was? No, yeah, I must have been a size thirteen already by that point, so it was very difficult. Once Bigfoot Littlefoot closed down, you know. <laughs> I don't. I can't remember the, what happened very well, but the man was quite rude. But it was a kind of strange-looking man with a big nose, when he and big ears, and like. You'd have the same stuff in the windows every day. He'd come out with his uh, shop hook, whatever it's called, where you have like a long stick with shop a hook, hook on the head. That's what it was. Uh, And put up the Someone same. Someone bought one on Amazon I was like, what's what I had to Google it. Uh, I was like, that's what it is. Uh, uh, putting up like the same Fred Perry shirts with like, like dust, that... <laughs> stained with dust, <laughs> and like white, like, I don't know, army shorts and stuff, and like. When... It went out of business recently. I don't know... I don't know how it was staying in business.
1: Yeah.
0: They must, some of, they must have owned the lease outright. The army wouldn't have still been paying for it. Not in this day and age, would they? <laughs> Do army's not paid for army stuff for stores? It's just occurred it. to me that that's not how it works. No. Because they're private businesses. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff was uh, thrown out. And my friend Joel, who is a bit of a kind of collector of... Um...
1: Ephemera.
0: Yeah, Ephemera. He's got like loads of like tube signs and stuff and various like Southwark Council signs and that. He took some stuff home that had been like sort of dumped outside and there was included a sleeping bag that had rust stains on it. <laughs> like, I didn't know, A, that rust stained things. Also, right, how are you getting out on a sleeping bag? But apparently there were clothes that were thick with grease.
1: <laughs> it's just exactly what you would expect. But it popped was up. Was there a possibility that he was just storing clothes in barrels full of grease to preserve them? And then that is sort of very like, possible. Yeah, I don't think. I'm then... not sure if
0: anyone ever bought anything from there. Like no. I've, I read somewhere on a, a Facebook group, I think, about someone saying I would like to buy that, and he's like, you can't have that. That's my display one. <laughs> but there was some talk on uh, on Facebook, on a you know Facebook group of uh, the local area about you know the guy and was sort of people sort of saying he died. You know, everyone was sort of giving their condolences He's like, oh, true Woolworth character even though he's obviously just a miserable man. But um, this girl popped up on it and said that her and her sister used to work there, and he weren't nice, he was really tight, and, you know, he used to poo in a box out the back. So I don't know how true that is, but <laughs> apparently he's not dead at all. So
1: Still out the back, pooing away a
0: box.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that was what I, I took as an impression of the Warthrow. Just this, there's a lot of, of buildings and facades that are there, but are just inaccessible. and closed. So it does feel almost... There's a
0: lot of how are you affording the rent.
1: But the flip side of that as well is there's a, um, a few long-standing businesses that you, you can understand uh, why they've survived. So, you know, you've got Baldwin's. And people will bemoan these places disappearing, obviously, there's but with businesses like that, Army Superstore is... Rossos. Yeah. Oh, we used
0: to get ice cream there. But you must get have, it from somewhere else. You
1: must have stopped getting actually there because it closed down. Yeah. But Baldwin survives because it's a, you know, a, an offer that people are interested in. The army surplus shop has gone, that you know so some of the things that we've lost are sad, some of them are understandable. But, you know, the strong will survive.
0: Yeah, Baldwins, when I worked at um, a travel agency in Piccadilly, there was a girl there who lived in like North London somewhere. And she gave me money to go to, because I live around the corner, to go to Baldwin's to get a, I think it was called Ilang Lang Oil. Okay. You know it.
1: I've heard of. If you
0: want some Ilang Ilang Oil, get it off com. <laughs> Use the Amazon link. <laughs> yeah, don't try don't
1: to do go it to Baldwin's.
0: From us. Don't go to Baldwin's and get it, get no? it from us.
1: I'll get it from Baldwin's. Sarsaparilla so, is their big thing, isn't it? It's their main offer.
0: Yeah, that was always... Quite an experience, wasn't it? Uh, did you go there as a kid to have it as well?
1: No, I always used to get my sarsaparilla from uh, the sarsaparilla man in the street market. Oh, as you mentioned previously, yeah. As I mentioned previously.
0: Yeah, I went in a few Episode times. Episode thirty-one,
1: years. East Street Market. You know.
0: Couldn't get over how cheap it was. It was like twenty-five p for a pint glass in like the one of those pint glasses with a handle, and you just stand there with like this foaming top drink. See, just be it was so odd. I guess when you're an adult and you go to the pub and drink drinks. Like it's, it's obviously quite normal. But as a kid, you're just standing there, and you're just gonna stand there until, like, say, me and my sister and my mum have finished drinking <laughs> like this massive Sarsprella that we can't believe how cheap it is. Like, you, even if you have, yeah, like a half of a half a pint for fifteen p, and like all around you, because there's two Baldwin stores next to each other. One is like a Holland and Barrett type modern thing, and the other one. There's just, like, stacks of these jars with, like, valerian root or, you know, some other herb or whatever. And, like, posters showing you, like, what part of the foot to stick a needle in to sort of link to other parts of the body. None. No parts of the body. No, exactly. Yeah, I for,
1: for, for, yeah but...
0: That's like a centimeter apart on my foot, and it's going to affect either my brain or my armpit. Like, I'm, I've got. that. don't do
1: it yourself with like a toothpick, innit? you know, just uh, definitely
0: not. Leave it to the professionals. But yeah, it's very, uh, very odd shop to go into. Like the, like the smell as well, like all those herbs and stuff. Louis once told me, Steve, that you uh, used to work in Ollie Food Centre, and I believed him. <laughs> <laughs> you. He didn't. Know, did I you?
1: didn't work in Ollie Food Centre. No. Right. I've never worked on the Wharf Road, actually. No, if
0: you could work, right, in any shop in Wharf Road, at any point in history, what would you have gone for?
1: A1 stores. Yeah. Records, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I bought a few tapes. There's in there, never been a bookshop on the Wharf? Yeah, Wharf Road? there was um one of those, like, the book shack type shops.
1: Okay, I love it that. It was up when by was
0: KinderCare. Um, you know KinderCare, the, the toy shop? It was a couple down from that where the bride shop is now. Oh, okay. And... They, I bought uh, the enemy book of uh, hit albums from there once, so it wasn't a great deal of reading material. <laughs> no, they probably had some classics to be fair.
1: Yeah, probably go a one stores. After that, maybe just a charity shop. Yeah, Louis used to work in one. Didn't he? he did, didn't he? Yeah, I want. Once... Yeah, actually, can I change my answer to? I want to work in the charity shop that Louis worked in. Well, While uh, yeah. in the charity shop, that would be brilliant.
0: I once stole from. I mean. Uh, you know I did some Steve as a kid Steve I, I did I went through this phase when I was like 12 or 13 13
1: it was robbing banks
0: of, yeah <laughs> took down the uh, Barclays and the Midland Bank in the early 90s <laughs> no I um, did a little bit of shoplifting you know as kids do mostly from Nidesh News on the corner of Jurassic Street I mean depending and the, uh, owned yeah once that got they, you could win a pair of Predators uh, okay. from if you bought a Snickers or stole it <laughs>
1: The rules weren't exactly clear. Weren't they? <laughs> I took for,
0: Steve? I did um, And Candyland as well. You know that's still going. I once, I oil sort oil. of accidentally, semi-accidentally stole a Spurs monthly. Right. Um, I had it I under my really arm. semi I had it under my arm, yeah. And I was buying something, and the guy goes fifty uh, p, right, rather than two pound fifty, because I had this two pound magazine under my arm. Yeah. yeah. And when I got to the door, I realised, and obviously just kept going. And then my mum sort of grilled me, and was like, "Where did you get that two pound from?" And I was just like, "I just came out and told her, and I got in like quite a lot of trouble." My mum took it back to the shop and gave them the two pound. She was crying. I think it was such a horrible scene. I
1: just need to clarify one thing there.
0: I was young, yeah. No, no.
1: She returned the magazine and paid the two pounds.
0: I think uh, it was she, like just a gesture the, to you to punish. No, you, I think yeah. she probably took the magazine off me and uh, and she paid the two pounds. She didn't give them, I don't think she actually gave the magazine back, So because okay. I was marched there from the bus stop.
1: I, I was going to say, did you have to go as well? Explain yourself. Yeah, Yeah, I was just
0: in the shop. We were all crying, I think. It was a terrible, terrible
1: scene. Similarly to my request to work in the same charity shop as Louis, when Louis was working in the charity shop, can I not work in that newsagent when you're there with your <laughs> mum <laughs> and everyone's crying? That sounds yeah. horrible.
0: But no, I also stole from... Um... You know, you don't realise how spoiled you were as a kid. I Absolutely, think. yeah. Right, Ridiculous. when I was, uh, I guess I was about fourteen, right? And my mum made me go and get milk in the morning before school one day. There was no milk, right? And we lived a minute away from the shop. It was, uh, it's now Raff's. People will know. People listeners must know. Raff used to be Dave's, and uh, he's got
1: the clippings up. Uh, over the the shopping. Yeah, he
0: has, yeah, you know, about various, uh, about social housing and uh, the Iraq war. Little does he know, he probably doesn't even know that uh, New Labour was born mere mere. Uh, I reckon, that, I reckon that's what motivates him, time he
1: clips the little thing out of the mirror.
0: But when he took over, though, the prices just went down like a third, it was ridiculous. Anyway, so I got, I got the mirror and I was so annoyed that I kicked my bag up the street on the way what, to that school. What? You've been sent to the shop. Yeah, that I would had to do this chore that took like 4 minutes of my life.
1: And was also milk for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so vile the yeah, time.
0: And I'd borrowed um Reef Glow off my friend Peter Bingham and I had a like a juice drink in my bag and i kicked my bag, split the juice and it leaked over the the tape. I and the it was tape. <laughs>
1: At, tape... at least one Reef album was destroyed. Nah, that was—I
0: love that record, man. And um, the—you <laughs> were young. we we're The tape dried out, and it was fine. But the kind That's of okay. the cover was all wrecked, so I nicked the cover from the, just the cover from A One Stores. <laughs> this was the level my shop lived in, in in those days, and then A One Stores went out of business because it what? turned out people didn't want to go to a shop that just sold hundreds of lamps
1: and all the hit <laughs> singles. <laughs> Uh, what's interesting about uh, that particular theft was that it was motivated because of an act of petulance on your part. So it's like <laughs> just compounding yeah. how uh, terrible you were as a person on, on that day. Let's <laughs> yeah, not damn you Not overall.
0: No. I did some damage in fantasy. <laughs> right, this is not You're not right. helping your case here. Oh, fads is now... Is that now Giuliano's beauty?
1: Yes it is, isn't it? Yeah, or it's got the long front. Yeah, it was bigger, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: Now you wouldn't have noticed this, yeah, but for years there was a massive paint stain, like in the middle of the shop. (laughs) Where as I guess I've got my memory of it is very
1: like hazy, so I reckon I was eight. Can I guess that you were sent to buy some paint and you were so (laughs) angry (laughs) you kicked the paint all the way home. Ruining Uh... the shop, your shoes, everyone's crying. But uh, it's alright, because I nicked some shoes from the army surplus shop to replace them.
0: I uh, no, I leant on a stack of paint, <laughs> and it, this paint went over. My sister's coat got ruined, covered in paint, and there was a massive paint stain on the floor. And I think they apologised to my mum, saying like it was inadequate. Can stacked. I can
1: I slightly implicate your dad for showing you too many Charlie Chaplin films? <laughs> <laughs> He's got to take responsibility. But there was
0: you'd go in like you'd go in like five years later. And if you were in there, there would just be, like, this one tile that just had a big, like, kind of... They'd obviously tried to scrub this paint out. <laughs> yeah, probably, like, that's the second worst paint incident of uh, of my youth, Steve. If, we was... can,
1: if we're talking about uh, juvenile delinquency and uh, our past... Also, this is, this is probably a story that should have gone into uh, the Campbell episode last week. I might have told you a story before. Um, my first day at school, uh, St. Joseph's uh, Primary School, Pittman Street, Campbell. I don't want to go for a nap and it's nap time. So I was like, I'll just read because my mom taught me to read. Me. So I was like, I'll just read and i just sit on the chair and read. And they're like, no. So, um, I took a chair and threw it at a window. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, you know, a window that has wire in it. Oh yeah. So it never, it never, uh, broke, but there was like a crack. Yeah. And like <laughs> that crack was there for the rest of my time no. in school. So it was like a oh, no. constant reminder of me, uh, just as a, a an entitled are. brat. Similarly, I still suffer. I was going to say this isn't irrelevant. Uh, uh, secondary school, uh, I got a Saturday detention once, and uh, part one of the things I had to do was you have to go to school on Saturday in your school uniform. That's the last year, yeah, day.
0: that that's, that wasn't even a thing in my
1: school. No. Um, uh, and I got there and like I was given chalk dusters to clean. Showing my age here. Yeah. This did you before? bang them together?
0: I did to make a cloud of chalk, and then you yeah. had an asthma attack.
1: <laughs> I did and then I realised uh, this is going all over me so I just started bashing them against the wall so uh, I, and I was quite enjoying it because I was like making patterns yeah. and stuff so I'm just like bashing this thing against the wall and uh, the teacher comes and goes what are you doing I was like cleaning the chalk things and I'm like look at the wall and I was like chalk the rain will have it so, honestly I swear but I, as far as I know they're still there on the wall these chalk really? stains but again I, I seem to have this habit of going to a school um, through anger or laziness, uh, leaving a mark literally on the school. <laughs> um, yeah. Remarkable behavior. We were awful, weren't
0: we? Oddly, Look at us now. We're fine. Oddly enough, my worst ever paint incident was on Pittman Street. I like, was oh, around really? the corner from the church I went to. Um, like, it's just a back, insignificant back street, apart from having your school on it. <laughs> and like, you know, occasionally the pe- people just, it one of those bits where people just dump rubbish. Like, yeah. Once, like, I threw a brick through a TV that was there. That was great fun. It had this, like, poof, like, this kind of explosion. Once set fire to a mattress. Well, I sort of was involved in setting fire to a mattress there.
1: And did a mattress?
0: Yeah. And then one other time, I don't know why, but I put my foot through a tin of paint. Right. And I was like, mum, I've, and, like, mum, i went up apples, wrecked the pair of shoes. Like, yeah, covered loves. in, like, white gloss. <laughs> what were we up to Steven youngsters?
1: well this is it's just curiosity isn't it I mean mm. um, something I never got involved in as far as I can remember um, again uh, my primary school uh, St. Joe's I don't know if they've still got it but there was a, a playground on the roof did you know this Are you, t- you mentioned this on the episode with Louis I think oh I did th- I, so I probably talked about dashing conquers <laughs> yeah. into the uh, to the secondary uh, school yeah, yeah. to uh, yeah. Michael Ramsey next door yeah <laughs>
0: I'm surprised, Steve, you didn't go for Kennedy's.
1: Of course, yeah. But it's the frontage. It is, isn't it? It's still
0: Kennedy's. I don't know what's gone on there because I don't know if it's like falling to pieces out the back, but for some reason it's just never. Kennedy's closed down like 10 years ago. Yeah, no one's ever. What a lovely sausage they dished up. (laughs) When I said to Lakeisha Wood in an episode about Wharf, she said I ought to mention the Marks and Spencers. And I said, like, why? She was like, Well, what
1: is it doing there? It is remarkable. I mean, your point earlier, and it is a valid point about companies not moving and investing in the area. It's not just that there's a Marks and Spencer's there, which is usually seen as a, uh, you know, or Mm. traditionally seen as, you know, relative affluence for an area. It's a huge Marks and Spencer's, and it's beautiful beautiful but the actual structure the actual yeah. architecture of it, it's like a lot of marble on the front yeah it's a there lot, is there yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's not just it is know, massive Yeah, it's huge and really nice I mean you know
0: my nan does all her shopping in there so it's kind of disclosed
1: my mum uh, loved it when she was in London but it was very much uh, you go to uh, Marx's for your treat stuff
0: there's a fairly new supermarket Steve up the other end by the Dragon Castle oh the the, uh, the Oriental supermarket yeah are they allowed to call it that? That is what it's called, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the Oriental supermarket. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it's they do Vietnamese street food, and then quotation marks here. But it's an extraordinary supermarket. I think you'd get a kick out of it, Steve. There's, like, freezers, and you pull out a 20-quid uh, bag of, like, just, like, 100 crabs.
1: Probably not 100, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Just, like... Sack of crabs, 20 quid. Yeah, um, it's just... That's breakfast for the next week, always. Loads
0: of different iced coffees there. I'm saying you can't get a frappuccino. We go there.
1: <laughs> H- honey crab crisps, and this is my point. I'd rather have something yeah. like that open up than a Starbucks. I'd rather have if I'm going to get an iced coffee, get a Vietnamese. Iced ATP coffee.
0: as well for like a can of iced that's coffee. So like, like it's it? it's very reasonably priced. I went to the Vietnamese street food bit, and you know they do bubble tea. You know it's all the rage now.
1: Yeah, there's a few I, dotted around. Here I don't so really
0: it. like. Apparently, you can get one that's not tapioca. That's less disgusting. But it doesn't look
1: appealing to me as a drink. I,
0: I thought, I'll get a coffee and a pastry. So I said to the guy, Would uh, you do coffee? He goes, oh, we do Vietnamese coffee. So I'm like, what's what's the difference? Is like, it's made with condensed milk instead of milk. That was disgusting. <laughs> and i like, it's a pastry. I was
1: like, what's in that pastry? You need to go the next time and go, can I have a black Vietnamese coffee, please? Should I,
0: shouldn't I? Yeah. And some uh, milk,
1: please. Can I have a Vietnamese Americano? <laughs>
0: So I said, I said uh, what's in that pastry goes chicken liver? So I was like, yeah, i love, I love one of those. It was so vile, Steve. <laughs> but I don't think that should put people off going there. The fact that everything I was horrible.
1: <laughs> the iced coffee was nice. The kind of iced coffee. That was from
0: the supermarket bit there.
1: Oh, right, the street mm. foods, yeah. I'm not a big fan of street foods. they got food stationery in there as well. It's really? Like, it's,
0: yeah, it's a great supermarket, man.
1: Okay. Now I'm curious.
0: Across the road from that, where the petrol station used to be and has been vacant for a long time is a load of containers stacked up where there's apparently going to be a box park, which uh, you're looking at me confused, Steve. Yeah. There's one in Shoreditch by, by uh, Shoreditch High Street Station where you've got like all these containers full of like, I don't want to use the word hip. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Happening brand brands and stuff you know right. like like shops you know little okay. shops like a, like a, sort of like a department store or like a kind of mall but built
1: out of containers yeah that sounds great
0: yeah so yeah. I re-
1: hopefully that might lift things up a bit yeah you would imagine i so. mean
0: it's only temporary i mean
1: but the, the, the they need people is, to move in and yeah well this is the problem who's going to move in it's going to be when the haygate's not down it's going to be a load of uh, rich people Suddenly the prices have gone up at the Vietnamese street market. (laughs) Uh, You're paying, uh, you know, four quid for a can of uh, iced coffee. But no, that's the concern, isn't it? That things, you know... Yeah, but it's such a densely populated area
0: that, like, there's a lot of poor people that need serving as well. No, absolutely. And what we want is a
1: general rise in standards for Mm. the area. Just so there's nice things for everyone. But my fear is it's just going to jump four levels. Do you know what I mean? It's gonna, it's not gonna be. Yeah, but what, but what's that gonna be?
0: They're going to pull the patisserie, I mean.
1: Yeah,
0: great. <laughs> there was a Woolworths um, where Argos now is when I was a kid, and that closed down. There was a quick save, which was quite a miserable supermarket. Yeah, it's remember. one of the worst ones. No frills, yeah. like they had some white packets with black writing. They really pioneered the uh, economy yeah. range, didn't they? It's quite embarrassing to have that in your packed lunch. As, uh, I, as I did experience on numerous occasions but when that closed down and they and that, kicking they were, your bag home
1: <laughs> <laughs> outrageous it's probably a
0: badly made quick save juice that's has over that reef uh, not even kick proof <laughs> when that closed down and they opened the Argos it was just so exciting it's like I can't believe we're getting an Argos around the corner this is incredible they do everything in Argos
1: <laughs> I'll have a latte please <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But now when stuff closes in the Wharf Road, you, I don't get particularly excited that anything's going to spring up. Just another Tesco, maybe. Yeah, a Exchange, but it come, just too late. Yeah. I mean, it's like any high street. In it, there's a load of payday loans. There's some chicken shops. You know, there's like a couple of pubs. Yeah, some literally harm. a of mobile phone shops and stuff, and that's fine. Like, I know people kind of get like sort of it seems to depress people. But when then you got... see a mobile phone shop. Don't go in the mobile no, phone shop. No, but you've
1: got things like in Brixton now. Is it four or five literally next to each other? Yeah, and it is and unless, needless. that's Yeah, no, you don't it's need sad as
0: well, isn't it? It's just sort of. I don't unf- know if you need to get sad about it. I just if there's good <laughs> stuff, then it's fine. But if there's no good stuff, then you start looking at the bad stuff. But on the plus side, there's now like. Two jerk places within about ten doors of each other where you didn't have any before. We have Mixed blessed Bakery, but that's only a bakery, is it? They don't do hot yeah, food. Yeah. Like, there used to be Greg's two doors apart, didn't there? Yeah. But they managed to get down to one Gregg's now. <laughs> Probably the most excited I've ever been, even more than Argos, is when the pound shop opened. Because, I, I don't know, I seem to remember it being in the early days of pound shops, but I could be wrong there. But I just bought, like, these Liam Gallagher sunglasses, just one after the other. Just, like, it would break, obviously, like the arm would fall off. <laughs> and just yeah, go and get another one, man. It was just incredible, though. A pound? I've got a pound. <laughs> I can buy, a, buy something from it. I can buy a pack of blank tapes. <laughs> Bought a Space Hog single in there, Steve.
1: Just, money a burn it? Have you still got it? We can uh, juice it up.
0: If I could work in any Warthrope shop there's ever been. It, I mean, I'm thinking Axu now. No, I'm not thinking Axu. It would be Star Video, I think. You know, star, such a contrast to Blockbuster as well, where Blockbuster, you had this massive shop. The bit selling popcorn and like chocolates and stuff was as big as Star Video. Yeah, yeah. Then you had like another bit three times the size of that, with like sort of 12 videos per like 10 square meters. Yeah. Like it was ridiculously space so isn't it
1: i'd never i never been in a place that big before in terms of like just videos
0: so unnecessary everything <laughs> was a face out <laughs> but you go to star video and they got a catalog behind the counter you had to uh pick from
1: yeah I never went in star video um but I was a member of blockbuster on the War of Road because I think it was the first one um nearby mm. and it obviously had two locations isn't it yeah, ended one. up
0: up the road um, in what is now another 99 piece shop opposite McDonald's. Yeah. But yeah, I'm thinking of the classic Blockbuster Steve.
1: Which is a gym now,
0: isn't it? Oh, and well, no, that's uh, a market, isn't it? Is it not Peacocks? Oh, it is Peacocks, isn't it? But you've got the market
1: next to
0: it. you Food Center,
1: Steve. can use the there. <laughs> yeah, well, I was a member of the Blockbuster video on the Wharf Road. But then we got a Blockbuster um, on Southampton Way, which was obviously a five minute walk from my house rather than getting on a bus to go to the Wharf Road. Wow, what a difference. <laughs> um, it didn't last very long, though, on Southampton Way. Um, it got yeah, burnt- I don't even remember. We got burnt out. Um, and then they opened up again, and they got burnt out again. And then they opened up again. I think it was like, at least three times where they uh, had fires mysteriously start. Mm. And uh, there's a video shot just up the roads, which remained open throughout this uh, independently owned video shop just like the road they remained open throughout this and I think eventually Blockbuster got a message not to uh, stay on Southampton Way and the independently owned video shop uh, outlasted them I mean I'm sure just a coincidence that <laughs> yeah one way to put
0: it They've, the one in uh Wharf Red burned down once as well but this is the trouble of having a quick drop <laughs> <laughs> just people don't put videos in there that they've rented, they put cigarettes in there and stuff. Before we get off the Wharf Road, Steve, can I just quickly recommend a couple of uh, places to eat? Absolutely. Not bagel king, obviously. With their uh, jerk chicken filled dumplings. <laughs> no, no, bagel king's
1: all right and it's quite bright. Just quite don't you price. know twenty four hours. It's it's not dumpling king. Don't go there for if they're telling you they're the king of bagels, don't go in there and go, I'll have a dumpling. You're going away from the speciality.
0: No bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel. <laughs> La Luna is nice. Uh, famous, uh, Warworth resident, mad Frankie Fraser, is always eating there. Like, I've been in there probably about six times and he's been in there twice. Right. Just at the back, just having a carbonara. I don't know what he was having. <laughs> I love what he's having. <laughs> <laughs> but that's nice. Just like, reasonable Italian. And up the other end, you have got where you probably remember it fondly. as a Wimpy, Steve. Yeah. It's now Mama Thai. It's a nice time, and again, reasonably priced, man, quite cheap. But significant for me, really, because, I mean, look, Lake- my love with Lakeisha really blossomed uh, when we-, we used to wait for the P5 there, and uh, maybe huddle in that doorway for, you know, warmth and love. And huddling. Speaking of restaurants, Steve. I do feel we need to sort of cover the pie mash situation. <laughs> Arments on Westmoreland Road is the pie mash of the area. Um, I don't, I don't, mean, I don't remember there ever being enough of one. I presume there was, you know, when there was people had limited uh, culinary options.
1: The nearest one after would be Mans's in Peckham. I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, or the one on Tower Road is that also Man's, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. When I was a kid, like, you'd see on Saturdays,
0: you'd see people queuing right up the street. Now, less so, but it's still busy. But there seems to be this kind of movement to... Well, there was a movement to get them a blue plaque. Like, this kind of idea is <laughs> like some kind of historic... I mean, it's a takeaway. Or eating, you know.
1: <laughs> but it's a nice... I mean... How long has it it's been there? It is, yeah, it has
0: there. been. Yeah, it's a, yeah, and it's kind of, it's a classic pie mash, isn't it? Yeah. Like the, the benches and the, yeah. you know. No, look, I, wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't be opposed, I wouldn't be opposed to having a blue plaque. I would be opposed to having a Michelin star. <laughs> it's certainly a place of historical interest. It's not a place of culinary value. That would be the distinction I would make. But I'm not a fan, as you might no. have guessed, of uh, pie mash.
0: The chip shop up the road is better, isn't it? Yeah, Ellen's uh, gone there, isn't she? It's uh, like a new chip shop now with new people. Okay, you remember Ellen? She was. I don't uh... think so. No. i would, I would never would have gone there. I've gone there. Yeah, uh, I think she was. German. I know there's a
1: chip shop there, but I don't think, I've ever I think she was there.
0: German. Like, she was there for years, like years and years. Like she, I don't wonder if she's still alive. She'd be in her seventies, definitely. She was serving chips up in her seventies. Yeah, and you can see out the back; there the bath full of like peeled potatoes. But that's far better. Winner, the Chinese. It's far better, isn't it? Yeah. People, how would you walk past Winner to get a, yeah, have like two pie mash, please? <laughs> Do you want some bland juice on your bland potatoes <laughs> and your bland pie? Oh, yes, please. So we're into East Woolworth, Steve, really. Not that anyone calls it that. But on the other side of the road, you have got West Wharf signs with a picture of a tortoise that says West Wharf, go slow. So if they <laughs> want to be... Uh, if they want to call themselves West Woolworth, we, I'll go with East Woolworth. For my, That's right. for I my like head. the idea as
1: well. It's um, the Wharf Road running down the middle, and then either mm. side. It's
0: fine. St. Peter's Church, Steve, is some way significant
1: historically? Well, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Um, designed by uh, Sir John Soane. Most famous now for his own house. Um, Whose house? John Soane's house which you know if you go there I mean it's it's on the wrong side of the river for our purposes but he's got uh, you know The Rake's Progress by Hogarth in that's not bad is it? Um, But yes, John Soane uh, hugely significant architect in his day uh, Bank of England yeah that's not bad is it and another iconic South London structure in the Dutch Picture Gallery yeah but you know wonderful work at St Peter's it's a gorgeous church isn't it
0: yeah Well, I went to St Peter's primary school and I used to, we used to go like once a week to the church and I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, not that it's in any way interesting, but I used to be at the back turning over the pages for Mrs. Gonzala. But yeah, huge pipe organ, Steve. Like, it's ridiculous. It's like it goes up to the ceiling. Like, <laughs> it's huge, man. Pipes the size of tree trunks. Again, I
1: don't think I've ever been inside. I'm They've got the a movie. monkey garden. Well, they had a monkey garden. Well, there's it's, still, th- it's still it's still called pack. the one,
0: yeah. And there's a big like a monkey carved out of wood.
1: But obviously, it got its name from a previous incumbent there who literally kept monkeys in the garden. So you know we're losing that a little bit there. Of course, not the only time uh, Warworth has played host to uh, a menagerie, hmm. which is odd. And you're
0: not of, talking about Walworth Garden Farm, are you? Not or that. are you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've vaguely heard of the Surrey Zoological Gardens, but never looked into the story in detail before. Do you ever come across it? Your, dad ever? Your dad's ever? No, but a, can, a, a, can I do a
0: quick segue, Steve? Of course. Tabo, we had on the show, I think we even mocked him on the show for when he lived in Peckham, he used to say he lived in Dulwich. And <laughs> uh, someone wanted to, where would you live, Dulwich, right? <laughs> he now lives in Croydon. And when we were at this wedding uh, yesterday, this girl said, Where'd you live? and he said, (laughs) Surrey.
1: And in a way, yeah, obviously, dating back to a time when Surrey would refer to uh, huge swathes of South London. uh, The Surrey Zoological Gardens were opened in 1831 by a man called Edward Cross, who'd previously ran a menagerie. On called it the extra Exchange, which is on the Strand. Um, had a bit of an incident with an elephant called Tuny, uh, who became increasingly bad-tempered, probably had some sort of brain disorder, you'd imagine, from sort of reading about the reports, but became, um, yeah, uh, remarkably bad-tempered and difficult. Also had an infected tusk. It, we, you know, this is at a time when the animal's conditions are not... Uh, Ideal, um, and there's fears that you know for the, the safety of the keepers and the public, as well as a, a concern that juni could uh, break out and uh, just go on a rampage. So, um, Edward Cross uh, gets some soldiers who come along and uh, execute his elephant, they just shoot it with muskets until it's dead. He sells the skeleton. Uh, the skin so he's just looking to sell it then well he basically yeah just uh, but there's huge outcry about the fact that the elephant's been allowed to get into this state
0: never forget
1: <laughs> and his you know uh, essentially execution and exploitation of uh, the creature's corpse um, so you know people stop going to the exchange so he relocates to um, just uh, sort of top of the warth road edging onto the elephant castle um, Is that where their name comes from? <laughs> it isn't, but if you check uh, episode two, you can find out why the elephant oh, yeah, I said episode the... one. Earlier, you didn't did, I? didn't you?
0: Yeah. It's fine. I'll, yeah, I'll up the elephant around the castle, yeah. I? Yeah, we
1: did talk about Elephant Castle in the first <laughs> episode. Um, yeah, he's, he doesn't have any elephants in the new one. He's sort of learned his lesson. He's just got lions, tigers, a rhino, and some giraffes. Um, he's got exotic trees and plants, and these beautiful pavilions. So he, he basically just takes this open plot of land. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the open space around Woolworth, where it was farmland. It becomes common ground and uh, parklands. So you get things like grazing for travellers, which leads to the development of a market along the Wharf Road that it then moves on to East Street. You get land that opens up that allows for Burgess Park to be developed. And... As I say along this side, you've got space for him to build this huge pavilion to houses uh, exotic animals. People lose interest in the animals, and I think you know the whole idea of welfare starts to emerge as well. So eventually, it's phased out. And also, there's a uh, you know in vogue at this time is is the idea of the pleasure gardens. So to compete with the local pleasure gardens that we've talked about previously, yeah, in, uh, only up the road, really. Yeah, Voxel. Um, they open up. Um, Surrey Gardens. Um, they specialise in reenacting epic events. So there's this huge reenactment of the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, uh, the Great Fire of London, um, just these huge spectacles. You've got the space, you get, you know, it, easy enough to pay people a few pennies and just charge people a few shillings and suddenly um, you're rolling in it. That is sort of capped off by. The opening of the Crystal Palace in 1851, which does sort of obliterate all other uh, attractions in terms of drawing the crowds. Um, they try to redevelop it into a music hall. Um, Ugh. Yeah, because you can try and go one episode. The <laughs> musical. Oh, well, if they stop opening them. Um, but again, it, again, it's a transition that you know people aren't going to pleasure grounds anymore. The, the, the you know the fashion is for music hall, so that's what opens up. Um, that lasts about five years, and then. Uh, there's a fire, which you can probably file. Was there a... in the same section as uh, yeah. various video shop related fires <laughs> in South London across the <laughs> years?
0: Recently, I went to the Pullens Yard Open Day. It's free yards in Pullens and whatever that one's called.
1: You had a great time, didn't you?
0: Yeah, it's really good. A um, load of open studios. I'm not sure what the kind of criteria is for have a studio there, but it does seem like. I mean, they're all creative. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a throwback to the arts and crafts era, which I yeah, believe actually. was an era. Was it? I think it? so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was good. There seemed to be a real kind of community spirit there. I saw Joe, local celebrity, Joe Cornish, who directed Attack the Block and uh, is half of Adam and Joe. And I can't remember her name in real life, but she played Dobby in Peep Show. So I saw like two celebrities within minutes of each other in West Woolworth. I was nice. quite shocked. And then settled down to the electric elephant calf for what turned out to be the best pasty I'd ever had. This uh, chicken curry pasty. It was Little extraordinary. Did you know
1: that you were going to sit down for the greatest pasty you've ever had? I, d- I had
0: no idea. And yeah. this was when I had only one hand working. So I was trying to eat this pasty with, like, <laughs> sort of my wrist and hold a coffee with the other. Not a Vietnamese coffee. We went back there, didn't we, Steve, for a kind of a show meeting, didn't we? We did. And it was also delicious. Wasn't it? Did
1: a little shout out on Twitter and uh, Mike Leader um, complained that it's on the wrong side of Woolworth. He's an he's uh, East Woolworth boy. Mm. And would have to travel all the way to I West Woolworth. West, West <laughs> but since then, has gone to the uh, Electro Elephant Cafe and was blown away. Um, big fan of their homemade ice
0: cream. Oh, I had the homemade ice cream. We went on Father's Day, Mila, um, Kisha and Xavier. My first Father's Day, Steve. And we had a fry up and um homemade ice cream afterwards and it was i was just out of this world. Yeah. Really, really great, man. This is the thing And Louisa, who runs it, who is very, very sweet, gave Xavier um a little elephant like, like a, kind of like Indian looking. I'm not sure where it was exactly it was from, but it was like a material? little gift for brass? No, like like uh, like fabric oh, okay. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so you can't
1: give a baby a, a brass elephant and just like bash himself in the head.
0: But if you go to any of these places, we recommend do mention that we sent you there. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But no, that was a real discovery because I've never been there before. Like they've got a car, Charlie Chaplin cobbled in the window. What yeah. more do you want from a from a? No, a, it's, a, it's a
1: lovely place. Also, um, you know, it's when you say uh, calf, it's easy to sort of imagine bad greasy spoon, terrible sausages, dry toast, but we need to reiterate how much of the actual stuff they serve there that is made from scratch each Yeah, day. like everything, so isn't it? You don't have to wear like stuff and flavour. And, yeah.
0: and like jerk chicken, and we really ought to have got that there, I think. I think we've just eaten. But we'll definitely be back. Should we end, Steve, with a little bit of
1: religious... eccentricity? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I'd never heard of the War of Jumpers until you mentioned to me... Possibly even before we started doing the show.
0: Yeah, I was on Wikipedia one day, and uh, you know, and it says, See also the War of Jumpers. And I was like, The what?
1: The War of Jumpers, also known as the Children of God, also known as Girlingites, also known as the Convulsionists, which are all perfectly good names. Children of God is a bit bland, isn't it? You know, it sounds vaguely culty. Children but... of God is a bit bland. Imagine. <laughs> but uh, Girlingites. I was fascinated by. It. But then, well, you I'm realize... just thinking of
0: Anthony Gurley, who was in my uh, class at secondary school, and I can't imagine anyone following him.
1: <laughs> um, well, possibly um, a relation of Marianne Gurley, the founder of the War of Jumpers, as they became known. Founded originally in Suffolk. Um, Suffolk. Suffolk. This is going to be confusing. Um Yeah, Marianne. Who's on first? Marianne is born in Suffolk in 1827. In 1864, she has a vision of the Second Coming and forms a Christian sect to share her vision of the Second Coming with people. Um, the, the sort of established history of the Girlingites is that they were persecuted wherever they went. But I think I may have found the origin of the persecution in the group itself. Well, did they wear jumpers that said Wharf on it? Well, uh, the jumpers... Well, I'll, I'll get to that, actually. Um, they moved to London in 1871 after being persecuted in Suffolk. They, for a while, were affiliated with the Peculiar People of Plumstead.
0: I'm familiar mm-hmm. with the Peculiar People. My dad um, has, you know, been into local history a long time. And he was doing this research thing about the peculiar people when I was a kid I mean he was unemployed for five years so a lot of time on his hands courses at Wharf Garden Farm looking into the peculiar people Dolly Hamlet fanzines
1: <laughs> kept himself busy.
0: yeah they were a kind of uh, I don't know Protestant Evangelical somewhere along those lines yeah. weren't they I mean, similar... that's a great name the peculiar well, this people is the thing. It sounds it's... like a band from Manchester or something <laughs> it?
1: or even like a sort of 60 Psychedelia but with the war jumpers and the peculiar people, it sounds like they're just uh, lunatics. But the peculiar people uh, referred to them as chosen people. They were the pe- people.
0: I think peculiar people is a biblical reference as well. Oh, is it? That yeah, like sense. you are, you will be the peculiar people. Something like that. it. Might I might be wrong, but I think it's that uh, sounds
1: like a, a quote chapter verse. Thou
0: wilt be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So the golden knights move in with the peculiar people. But again, it doesn't take long for them to have to move on because at this point Marion Girling asserts her own divinity. Which causes, uh, it, causes a few eruptions. Why
0: do these cults
1: always end they up? They always with her. they always do. So they move to Wharf at this point. Um and become very popular in the area. Um What what era is this? Twenties, is it? This would be eighteen seventy one?
0: Yeah, sorry, the eighteen
1: seventies. <laughs> um, yeah, Ann Girling's a very charismatic uh, preacher, um, leading to ecstatic responses from the crowd, leading to the name of the War of Jumpers. they there are a, a congregation that are very active and mobile and very loud. Um, this attracts, you know, a lot of interested crowds, but. By 1872, they have to move to Hampshire. Again, persecuted. Well, one of the key elements of uh, (laughs) the Gerlingite belief system is uh, that the followers were forbidden from involving themselves in economic transactions. So essentially, they'd move into a place, and when people came to to, uh, pay the rent, they go, oh, we can't. God said. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine them sort of in Suffolk sort of, you know, living there and then people were like, you know that food that we yeah. sent round? Yeah, well, we can't, I'd love, listen, I'd love to pay <laughs> it. I want to, yeah. but God said I can't.
0: I did try that in the Desh News, but similar <laughs> consequences.
1: <laughs> so then, yeah, they move. So basically, they have to move from place to place, stacking up debts as they go and when they're actually called on the debts, move off again because... If they paid what they owed, that would be a sin.
0: So, speaking of ecstatic responses from Crowdsteve, you can get us on Twitter, at SLHC, and uh, you can leave a comment on iTunes if you've uh, got the time or the login details. Thanks for listening. See you next week.
1: Bye.